I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the second episode of season two of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie and thrilled to be joined by Billy, by Rosa and by Tom. Unfortunately, Ash is on some important work business tonight, he tells us, which sounds like he's made it up, but I believe him, I think. Um, And tonight the guys are going to be humouring me as I ask them my 10 most pressing questions going into the new season. Basically what some are calling our half-assed take at a season preview. Now, we're also going to have a chat about the Southampton game. Billy will be rolling in the tweets as ever. Rose is going to give us a little Spurs women update during, of course, a momentous week for women's football. And we will also be offering up some culture recommendations as usual. But first, guys, I'm going to launch straight into the questions. Um, let's dive in. I don't even say hello to you this evening. We're just all, all business tonight. Um, question one. I want to know which new signing will prove the biggest hit and that question goes to you, Billy. You can answer this one first, please. I feel like I'm just being like totally Captain Obvious, but I think it's just going to be Perisic. Like that photo of him that he released like two to three days ago, man. He just looks insane. And like that's a player that Arsenal apparently say is an old man. Like if I look like that when I was an old man, I'd be very, very happy indeed. Like, is, I just this think Billy, is this the photo where he's in some very short shorts in front of a Marilyn Monroe? Um, like, it looks like it's almost like a 12 pack or something. It's like, it feels like a disservice to call it a six pack. It feels like that's not giving it enough credit. It's like, how, like, honestly, how can you look at that guy and think that he's washed or he's an old man? Like, it's just insane. Um, yeah, I just think he's going to like literally hit the ground running and just be insane for us. Um, I think he's going to be straight away a really big player for us. So, yeah, I know it's so captain obvious, but yeah, Perisic, 100%. Okay, you're allowed that one. Tom, who have you got? Uh, yeah, the same as Billy, really. He's played for Conte before, obviously, um, and was very successful playing in Conte's system. He got a very decent amount of assists and goals last season, I think, mm. um, for Inter. 
And he's clearly the kind of wing back that um, Conte has wanted for that system for a while, i.e. the wing back who basically plays as a as a winger, as a forward, is putting in uh, putting in loads of balls. Um, and also, you know, I think what we've been crying out for a while for a while is winners and experience in the team. You know, look at. I've probably said it before, but look at Thiago Silva at Chelsea, who's, mm. you know, been brilliant. And there's other examples of, of very experienced players coming into teams and just, um, you know, other players being able to learn from learn from them. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited, uh, excited to see him and see Conte's full wing-back dream realised, at least on one flank. Who knows about the other? I'm sure we'll get on to our right flank. Um, Rosa, who have you got for this one? Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm going to leave Spence out of it because he's the one I really, really want to succeed, but he is like a precious child and I don't want to put expectations (laughs) on him. So we're going to leave him out of this. I think it's going to be Richarlison um, because I think he's just, I think he's so up for it. And I feel like it's time that the curse of the number nine shirt is um, exorcised. And he's been great for his previous um, Premier League clubs. I think we've also, we also seem to have done really well with um, like our most recent attacking purchases, I guess. Like if you look at um, Kulisevsky at least. So I've just, I've got like a really good feeling about it. Basically I've got a good, I've got a good feeling about him. I think he's going to get a lot of good opportunities to make his mark. And especially with the craziness that this season is going to be. So yeah, that's that's my pick. I think he's going to be such a fan favourite. I think that first sort of moment at the at the stadium where he, you know, riles up the opposition or obviously scores would be nice too. But, you know, just he, he does something that endears himself, basically being a bit of a shit, I think, in front of us. And suddenly he becomes our shit. I think that's yeah, going to be a really nice mad. moment. Yeah. I think we're, we're going to love it. love it, yeah. Um, I can't wait. I'm I'm really sad he's not gonna he's not available for the um the Southampton game, but I feel like it's written in the stars that he makes his debut against Chelsea and does something spectacular. So I'm excited about that. Um that leaves me. I'm gonna say Clement Longley. Um I feel like Ash might have said Longley, and when I knew Ash wasn't here, I thought I'd big up Clement for him. I think he's just gonna be one of those low-key signings that he'll be he'll be so integral to how we play so quickly that we'll all start stressing about us not having an option to make the deal permanent by like October. And then we'll just get all angsty and be like, why did Spurs not negotiate an option? He's going to be 40 million next summer. This is ridiculous. He'll probably then have some dramatic fall off in form and that sort of stress will disappear. But I can just see him at the very least, I think he'll rotate brilliantly with Ben. And I think that to have two sort of ball-carrying centre-backs that will be able to really fit in that Conte system will be terrific after, you know, the sort of square peg round holes that we've seen deputised for Davies in the past. I think I think he's going to be really good. So he's my pick. Um, my second question, bit of a bit of a sort of more, more downbeat one, but which new signing will prove the biggest flop? Um, Rosa, you can go first with this one. I actually... I, I don't want to pick anyone because I feel so you have you good. have to I have I'm to. sorry okay. you all have right. to. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I wrote down <laughs> is I wrote down I wrote down Longley just 
because I was like, he might struggle to adapt. But mm-hmm. I also, in my notes, I wrote equally, we could have a weird, long layers and amazing success. And Richarlison is a horrible flop as well. So I feel like I've kind of had my cake and eaten it too, sort of with that answer. I have, I have a feeling I'm going to love Longley actually, provided he doesn't um, take Ben's spots. I just think he's going to be quite classy based on, you know, not very much, except that he comes from Barca. So I hope he doesn't flop, but I feel like it, that feels like an obvious answer to me, but he might struggle, I guess. I think he's certainly the signing that people, maybe Fraser Forster aside, have been least excited about. And he obviously had a bit of a dodgy time with Barca. So I think that's totally fair. I also like how Spurs it is, Rosa, that your answers to both those questions you felt were basically interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> I it's think true that, though, right? That, that captures <laughs> the the roller coaster of um excitement and dread that we we all attach to new signings. Um Tom, who's your uh, potential flop do you reckon mate well, I just want to talk about backup keepers for a minute because our record, oh, do you? Okay, interesting. Our, our record with backup keepers has been terrible <laughs> and I like um, Forster a lot I think he seems like a good guy he had a good run at Southampton at one point right we've mm. kind of been terrible at planning for Lloris a succession plan for Lloris right Gazaniga I think briefly we all thought he was going to be great he wasn't your, your lad last season, what was this? What's Galini? Yeah, Galini. Um, yeah, he wasn't good when he played either. Joe Hart, lest we forget. Joe Hart, and then there's the other. The kind of we've had a couple of young ones, like like we just mentioned, relatively young. Uh, I think Gazaniga was pretty young. Mm. Anyway, and then the other side of that is Michelle Vorm. Um, again, lovely. Seemed like a lovely guy, um, but <laughs> you know he was never. He was wasn't bought to succeed uh Larice at all so yeah I, I think Touchwood Fraser Forster will play in the cups and um play really well and be reliable but just to point out our yeah our record with backup keepers recently has been utterly atrocious yeah Joe Hart that was a nightmare Michelle Vaughan it was the United that United semi wasn't it and a Herrera sort of p-rolled a shot under his body in the middle of the goal and oh, just don't make me go back there. That's one of the most miserable times I think I've ever had as a Spurs fan. And I say that as someone who really quite loved Michelle Vorm as well. I feel like he was hung out to dry a couple of times by Poch. Like you just shouldn't, like he just shouldn't have been played mm. in those games. It was completely unnecessary. So we've all now got really terrible memories where we shouldn't have. He was never supposed to play in those matches. You're completely right. It's not his fault. Michelle, if you're listening, we forgive you. It was not your fault. Um, um, I'll go with mine before we get to Billy I'm going to go with Spence and I say this uh, Billy were you going to agree were you going to say Spence as well yeah I was going to go for that as well I'll explain myself really quickly I obviously don't want to say this at all and I'm only saying it because I think it's going to take him a while to get into the team and I think that the the sort of hope and expectation and excitement that there is around Spence from the fans Partly because our right wing backs are, you know, as we were talking about on the last on the last episode, this sort of, you know, comedy Ferris wheel of ridiculous players that just keep rotating round and round. But I just think that Conte is going to take a while before he trusts him, before he feels like he knows the system, before he feels like he's ready for Premier League football. So I think we're all going to be sat there and, you know, it will be the first 
sort of textbook Emerson Royale performance, the first sort of doughty kind of perhaps reverting to tight performance where everyone will be screaming for Spence to come in and save the day. And I think Conte will be quite stubborn about it and it will take him a while. So that's why I'm going to say Spence. But I think eventually he'll come good. But that's my reasoning. Billy, what's yours? Yeah, so my reason is literally exactly the same. Um, I don't for any second think that he's going to flop at Tottenham. I just think it's going to take a long time for him to establish himself. Um, From like Conte vibes and preseason vibes, I actually don't even think he's third choice at the moment. It kind of seems like he might even be fourth choice behind Lucas Moura. Um, so I think it's a while before we're going to see him. I think it'll take like a breakout moment. Like you, you'll get like some cup game in like the, the Carabao Cup or something and you'll have like a, a storm. And that's what it's going to take to, yeah. like I say, from from the early indicators from preseason, it doesn't even seem like he's third choice at the moment, let alone, you know, getting a team. So I don't think he's going to flop at Tottenham under any circumstances. That's nowhere near what I'm saying, but I think it's going to be a long time before you start to see him in the team, uh, unless he has that kind of Gareth Bale moment where he has like a, he just sort of gets chucked in and is incredible. I think it's going to be a mm. while before you see him at Tottenham properly. He's obviously best mates with Cess, isn't he? And I worry it could be another Cessignon situation where it takes him kind of two years to get any sort of run in the team and, and you know, potentially he'll be low on confidence. But, you know, fingers crossed he, uh, he hits the ground running. Rosa, give us some Spence positivity back. See, I feel like um, he's made the move at, at the right time. Like, I think part of the problem with Cess is that I've, we waited like a, like an extra year for him, right? And so there was just a lot of expectation on him. And then there was a sort of manager situation. Mm. And I think Spence is just coming into a much calmer side. And I feel like what I was worried about last week with the sort of Conte quotes where he was saying, oh, he wasn't my choice. I've decided to like spin that now. And I think it might like Conte is actually like potentially protecting him because it is a lot of pressure. But actually, I think he could make an appearance like kind of earlier, really, because I feel like the right back situation is three he may be fourth choice, but those three are just all like agents of chaos. I think if he can just come in and do like a sensible job, I think it, it won't take a huge amount. I don't the know. bar is low. The bar is low. It's yeah. quite low, yeah. I think on the flip side, I don't want to put down on the Spence signing because I think it's a really exciting signing. And I know today as we record this, we're linked with a um, Udinese left back. Um, so I think it's quite exciting that maybe, you know, we've got this kind of long-term vision with Ante- Antonio Conte involved. And if we have like, if we're buying like young wing-backs for the Antonio Conte system and like the quotes coming out of Conte are pretty positive at the moment, I think it's actually a really exciting time to get excited about these young sort of prospective signings that we're actually as a club planning for a long-term future of Antonio Conte. I know that's something we've been speaking about all of the year, like last year, if he's going to leave, he's going to just get up and leave us. But I think the flip side of, you know, maybe seeing that Spencer is not going to be in the team straight away is actually thinking we might have like a proper long-term future with Conte. And like that is really something to get excited about. Um, that leads nicely or otherwise into my next question. What will prompt Antonio Conte's first meltdown of the season? Um, Tom, what do you reckon it will be? I mean, Emerson Royale, probably. <laughs> Just a like, general. It was certainly from my first meltdown of the season. I'm sure. Well, that's well, sort of spoiler alert. That's that's oh, the next. Sorry, that's sorry. the next that, question. That is coming, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my answer. I think the Royale, yeah. Just the, the the first performance of Emerson Royale of the yeah. season. Yeah. Okay. So Rosa. Would pass. Yeah. Just one pass will do it. Yeah. Okay. I seems think it's, seems um, accurate. I think it's when we. Um, 
win at Chelsea only to um, lose to Wolves the following week. <laughs> <laughs> that feels horribly, horribly accurate too. Um, yeah. I just don't uh, feel like the roller coaster is going to um, sort of level out at any point soon, to be honest. No, I, I think you're probably right, Billy, or one. Yeah, I think kind of similar. I think it's going to be like some going to have like a really good result in the group save the Champions League then we're going to play like some low, bo- low block side in the Premier League and like draw nil or something he's going to go mad uh, and say that we you know we're not in the title race anymore or something like that um, I just think like it's it's a lot to ask already to be like firing in four competitions mm. um, it's going to be sort of basically just half assed we did a terrible job in most of the competitions last year so to go from totally you know, just going straight for top four to now firing on all four competitions. I think it's a big, big ask. And I think we're going to come unstuck somewhere along the line. Um, and when it does happen, you probably will. You know, that's what he's like. That's what content is like. That's why we love him. Um, so I think it's going to, it's, our big problem is always going to be against teams that play a low block. Like we struggle against that in the Roma friendly. Um, it's probably going to happen at least a couple of times over the season. And when it does, he's probably going to complain about it. Um, all right. My one, I'm going to say, um, it's probably inevitable that we don't sign all the players that he actually wants. I think he's reasonably happy, but I also think that he's expecting us to sort of move a few mountains between now and the end of August um, and get some extra quality and for him to feel like we can really, really compete. But I don't think life always works like that. So I reckon the first press conference after the window shuts, which I think I looked up is that would be the day after we play West Ham away, which feels like also a bit of a banana skin type match that might not go especially well, which if sort of combined perhaps with us not bringing in a couple of extra players that Conte feels we need could could mean we get a, a real classic uh, bit of Conte meltdown action. So that's what I'm going to predict. Um, I don't want that to happen. I think it probably will. Um, as, I, as I sort of teased, my next question... What will prompt your first meltdown? So not Antonio, your first meltdown. Rosa, what do you reckon? What's going what's gonna to trip you up first this season? I like to think that as lily-livered as I am, like my meltdowns generally don't happen until like the latter half of the season. So obviously there will be something. Rosa, um, is, this, is this true? I'm not sure that this is true based on my, um, my sort of quite long friendship <laughs> with you now. Really name a time when actually do you know what? Don't <laughs> um I would say, you know, it'll be when um gentle Ben gets injured, but that's already happened. So, you know, that's, that's true. Fine. Yeah. Is he back? Is it all what's happened there? Just I mean, we're recording on we're recording on Wednesday night and so they've not had uh, Conte's not done his presser yet where he sort of speaks on the, the injury side of things. So I think it was a bit 50-50. I'd be shocked if they played him from the start, yeah. personally. So that, to be honest, that could be my meltdown because I feel like what might happen is he'll be injured and be out for a couple of games and then I'll have to deal with like everybody saying, oh, well, you know, we don't need him anymore and somebody else will come into the side and do a job and they'll, and people will be like, that's fine, we don't miss him and I'll have to go to bat for him like again and it's only been nine years of doing it exactly and i'm you guys i'll you know i was gonna say i'm tired i'm tired but i'll do it i'll do it so um yeah let's go with that (laughs) okay um i'll do mine quickly i reckon 
I worry about a few things. I'm worried about us going to Stamford Bridge and rolling over like we normally do because I think I'll just sort of flip out a bit in the sense that it's just Spurs doing what they always do at Stamford Bridge. I think I'll probably have a bit of a wobble if Arsenal win their first three or four games and look really good sort of based on their pre-season form. If they were to turn that into actual real-life form, I think I'd start to have one of my Arsenal moments, um, particularly with everything else going on with that that football club right now. I think that could that could send me over the edge a little bit. So hopefully none of that happens, but um, basically making myself sound like I'm a mess already and I'm actually quite confident. So that's not a true reflection of how I'm feeling, but these are the questions that I set myself. Um, Tom, what's yours? When do you reckon your head's going to go? Well, the aforementioned Emerson Royale, obviously, like some sort of fucking passing between him and Dad or something. <laughs> uh, I don't lose it. I mean, Tanganga still plays for us as well, doesn't he? Technically? Just, yeah, I, mean, I think just. Just about, but maybe we'll see him. It could be him and him and Royale that make me have a meltdown. I mean, me and Linton, who I sit with, they'll often be roused between us where like he doesn't agree with me getting on the back of some player or something and we'll end up rowing. But also, I like to have a meltdown when the neck oil pumps aren't working uh, in the South Stand as well, which is basically... You do, yeah. So, I mean, my first meltdown may be triggered by having to drink Amstel. <laughs> That's what I'll go with. A pretty fair meltdown. Billy, round us off. Um, I need to talk about like the online shenanigans of Arsenal Twitter fan base. Like it's already started like well into so in fact it started, you know, I think we broke them when we finished above them. Um and the insane ramblings they've gone on this summer is like just insane to behold. And I can guarantee you what's gonna happen. So I looked at their at the start of their open fixture, they've got a really easy like open five games. I'll probably win all five of them. And you'll get some Arsenal Twitter thread that'll be like, how Mikel Arteta has changed Premier League football forever. Tweet one of 76 or something like that. <laughs> and it's just going to drive me insane. Like they're already talking about like pre-season. They're already be talking about how their signings have basically made them the equivalent to Man City. Like just have some shame as a fan base. You bottled like the biggest top four race that we've had together in ages. And you were like, just couldn't have bought it anymore. But they're still going on as if they finished above us. They've won the transfer window. They've won pre-season. Just like have some shame as a fan base. So the online shenanigans of Arsenal is definitely what's going to send me over the edge. As you can hear, it probably already has a little bit. Don't let them win. You know <laughs> I'm almost, but like, I'm almost like impressed with the lack of shame. There's something about it where I just think that's incredible, guys. Like they absolutely bowled it so bad. They choked at our stadium and then they choked again at Newcastle. And it's like it just never happens. They've just like breezed right on past it. I can't, like, I can't lie. There's a part of me that is slightly in awe of that attitude. And I feel like... Is it because you think that had it been the other way around, we would have spent the summer in the depths yeah, of despair? And they, sure. um, there would be, I, I would still, you know, I haven't got over things that happened, you know, 10 years ago with, with Tottenham. <laughs> and it's just, I can't, I just, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine being like that. So... There's a part of me that is, you know, I'd sort of admire it and I'm, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm slightly envious of it in a way. I think it's just, I don't know how you get like that. It's like remarkable, really. It's, it's a bit like being jealous of really sort of stupid people that just breathe through life without too many worries because yeah. their mind imagine is. Imagine not having that massive, like, imagine not being just totally neurotic. 
I no. well, I, I can't. I'd say, yeah, I simply can't. <laughs> I was today loving the video of their club photographer giving the team talk. Like, what the fuck? Imagine, imagine Conte being like, "Where's the photographer? Get him in." Imagine Where's him letting the photographer in the room. Like, just Get, exactly, yeah. Get um, Jill in from the calf. She's going to give the team talk today. Yeah, and I just want to talk about. I know we're going to talk about this a lot over the next few weeks because I know none of us have watched it yet, but like. The cult of Arteta is insane. It's like he gave this rousing, like all the Arsenal fans were lapping it up as well, saying it gives them goosebumps. He gave this like massive speech about how this like medical team saved him. In like a game against Norwich, it's like you're not embarrassed to be pulling these moves in a game against Norwich. <laughs> and the whole fan base like lapping it up as well as if it's amazing. It's like imagine if Brendan Rodgers did these things. You know, I know a clip that's going around this week is like where he's he's playing You'll Never Walk Alone during the training. It's like imagine if that was Brendan Rodgers, like. Why are they like lapping up this Arteta? It's just insane to me. Like, I can't wait to watch it all. But also, like the full body cringe that I've got in the clips I've had so far, I don't know if I can get myself through it. Like, it's just insane. I think as well from I was rem- I was reminded of our one a bit when reading a few of the preview um, sort of articles about the first three episodes that I think are going to be released this week. And I was reminded that the the problem with all or nothings is that. Rival fans of the clubs who are being featured are sort of rubbing their hands together ahead of it being released. And then you quickly realise that the defeats are glossed over really, really quickly. And it's all just about, you know, it's all about learning and they, the club sort of pulling together in times of, you know, adversity. And they just, they do their best to try and turn the manager into this sort of mythical figure like they are with Arteta and, Maybe it won't actually be as fun as I'm hoping it will, but surely, surely, surely they can't cross over the meltdown at the end. My issue is I really do like I want to watch it because for the for the comedy, obviously, and to hate on them and to see that massive implosion at the end of the season. But I also don't want to like any of their players. My worry is I'll watch mm, it. Saka I'll, particularly, right? Because yeah, I read stuff today being like, there isn't a nicer man in football. He's so yeah. charming. And... Saka is definitely the biggest worry. I don't want to have <laughs> any sort of positive feelings towards <laughs> any of their players. Sorry, even Saka. I think I think that's very fair. Yeah, I, I feel like I might just watch the last one just for the implosion because the, the rest of it would just be a proper PR job about you know the fact that they're building this soon to be all conquering you know sort of incredibly likable super team sort of headed up by this free thinking maverick and i just can't stomach the arteta stuff i don't think i can watch like 10 hours of him rambling on being a spanish david brent i cannot do it okay next question guys tell me your dream champions league opponent tom what's your dream opponent for this season well, I will say uh, Frankfurt because um, they looked a hell of a lot of fun um, when playing West Ham and uh, Rangers um, in the in the Europa last season. Their fans look amazing slash terrifying. Uh, and for selfish reasons, I've also got friends in Frankfurt. So like trying to get a away trip there would be quite, quite fun, I think. I've been to a Frankfurt game uh, before. Um, a friend of mine's a big Eintracht fan and we went over to watch um, them in a derby and it was one of the more insane afternoons of my life. Their fans are bonkers. So the, the atmosphere at both our stadium and theirs would just be off the charts. So I think that's a good shout. And I also 
would probably do all right against them as well. So they're not too too fearsome. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm. I've picked PSG because I feel like. Oh, Billy, have I nicked you on again? I feel like they're the sort of maybe the last sort of European super team that we've not yet played in the Champions League that I can remember. Um, and I think we could beat them as well. And I think it would be really fun to beat PSG. Um, and also just, you know, having Mbappe and Neymar and everyone come to Tottenham would be fun as well. So those were mine. Billy, I'm really sorry that I stole your pick. Um, what was your reason for picking PSG? Yeah, mine, um, mine was because we kind of saw Messi against Tottenham before, but we didn't see it in Tottenham. I'd love to see Messi actually in Tottenham. At our I can't game. believe I just listed two <laughs> PSG players and didn't mention the world's greatest player of all time. <laughs> I'd love to see him in Tottenham, but also like imagine like an away day being able to get the Euro start an away day. That'd be fucking amazing. So yeah, I definitely want PSG for the same reason that you said because we just haven't played them. We played like Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, etc. But we just never seem to come against uh, PSG. Um, but the main reason is I'd just love to see Messi actually in Tottenham. Mm. Sort of imagine him being a, a once driven down Tottenham High Road would be a great sort of thing to imagine. So yeah, definitely Messi uh, in Tottenham would be my pick. Rosa? Yeah, Messi would be amazing. Like seeing him at Wembley was definitely, it was such a like bucket list moment. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I have gone for um, Atletico because again, they're a sort of really big mm. team that we've just not, played so I feel like that would be really fun I would also like to play Napoli I think that'd be a lot of fun and Marseille I'd like to play because I think it'd be nice to play like a proper French team with like a proper footballing history and I don't I'm I feel like they've just not really been in Champions League much and that feels like that would be fun good picks yeah Marseille and Napoli would be great be really really good I feel like yeah and I'd like to go to those away days I don't think mm. I would get to go but you know in theory I feel like really the police fun. are hating you Rosa right now because I think they'll <laughs> seriously, seriously go off when it goes <laughs> yeah we've named an awful lot of quite rowdy fan bases haven't we so apologies to North London's um, police forces um, alright let's go on to the next one you can sign one more player for Tottenham this summer who do you and I want some realistic people here. I'm not asking for Messi or Neymar's. Who do you realistically sign for Spurs with the remaining time in the window? Billy, who are you picking? I've gone on a kind of journey with Madison this summer. Like I've, <laughs> I started off like hating him um, as a person, but now I've sort of the more I think about the idea, I've started to think you know it'd be a really good signing. And now I'm kind of disappointed with the fact that it looks like it's not happening. Um, I also kind of bear in mind the fact that Oli Skip looks like he's going to be injured for a few weeks. Um, another like freak injury. That guy just seems to be like the most unlucky player ever. Mm-hmm. I also think like Madison could also kind of play in centre midfield as well as playing um, attacking midfield as well. Um, so I've really like gone on a journey of sort of hating him to really wanting him. So definitely Madison for me. Okay, I'm worried you're going to be disappointed, but okay, um, Rosa. Um, I don't really have anyone. I'm really sorry. You know, I'm really bad with signings. Um, so I, I tried. To, I was like, I guess we need, you know, a creative midfielder and another central defender. And I just honestly couldn't think of anybody realistic. So I am willing to be persuaded by whatever you guys say, basically. Okay. But one of those two positions you would like? I think probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Unless we could suddenly magic up a successor to Hugo, that would also be a good thing to look into this season. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom. 
Um, I can't believe I'm saying this uh, because uh, listeners, regular listeners will know my feelings about this club, but like Jared <laughs> Bowen would is like just a brilliant footballer and I'm pissed off that we were linked with him for so long and didn't do the deal. And then he's come good at West Ham. He was absolutely brilliant last season and would certainly be an amazing player for the future and sort of an attacking, that attacking mid that we might be missing. I'm, I'd totally take Madison as well. And I think, look, if we're being realistic, I don't think West Ham would sell to us. But coming from left field, like I suddenly put in a decent bid for him. He's, yeah, he's brilliant, Bowen. I don't know that his potential father-in-law would allow it either, right? Because he's, he goes out with Danny Dyer's daughter, oh, shit, Danny course, Dyer. Yeah. I mean, so it'd like have, it'd have two two breakups to to sort of deal with if he if he did move over here. But yeah, he would be great. There was talk Chelsea were in for him for a bit, wasn't there? Yeah, but it would also be good to piss off Danny Dyer, wouldn't it? Like that'd, that'd be nice. That'd be great to have to just enrage a lot of West Ham fans, including Danny Dyer, Russell Brand, the lot of them. <laughs> Uh, James Corden. James Corden, yeah. I was oh, just, awful just people. Say, yeah. Love them. They're the worst. What's happening with Declan Rice these days? I feel like wasn't somebody big supposed to come in for him and it all seems to have gone a bit quiet. Yeah, I thought this was going to be the summer that... Like. I thought, yeah, he would... Um, this would be the summer that uh, Chelsea or Man United would go hard for him, but it seems it's like nothing. seems to have bothered. There's yeah. not been any noise at all, has there? I mean, you could make a case from being the most sort of best all-round central midfielder in the Premier League last season, I think. So they've done they've they've done some pretty good business, West Ham. We won't stray into getting worried about West Ham again because I think that they've got the conference league to worry about as well, which is quite funny because that will torpedo their season, but not even in a very exciting way compared to our season. So that should hopefully derail them. Um, I have taught myself into Lucas uh, Paqueta um, because I don't think we're going to get Madison and I feel like there's something about the uh, Zaniolo deal, the, the Roma guy, that just makes me feel like it's not actually a thing and it's just one of those transfer sagas that's been largely cooked up out of thin air. Um, so maybe having another skillful Brazilian to help sort of pick stubborn locks in tight matches um, would be fun. He looks like he's a real box of tricks. Um, and also another Brazilian pal for uh, uh, all our Brazilians, particularly Richarlison, because... He then won't have to have someone cooing at him sort of constantly. Uh, like I imagine he's getting a little bit bored with Lucas and Royale doing sort of their constant pigeon noises at him. So perhaps Paqueta is a bit more uh, of a cerebral uh, guy for Richarlison to hang out with. He's my pick. I don't, I don't know though, because it all feels, all these attacking mids that are being, being linked with, I just can't see any of them actually happening but maybe that we'll we'll get into transfers perhaps next week once we've seen how we actually play football for real the next question you can pick one song to accompany uh the pre-match hype video and of course there are actually about six pre-match hype videos at white hart lane but this is like the main say this is the main one just before the players come out so which song is soundtracking uh the the pre-kickoff video uh, Billy, what song did you want to play? Um, I actually don't think we should play any song. And I think like um, the fans were seeing Oh, When Spurs Come Watching In, 
Um, because I don't know if you remember that Ajax video in the Champions League when we were playing at home. I think it was one of the very first ever games at the new stadium. And like the atmosphere was absolutely insane. So mm. I think I know we've tried similar with um, Can't Small About You, which is a song that I absolutely love. It's one of my all-time favourite songs. Obviously, it's very, very special to Tottenham. But it's not really like one that gets you like going. So I think if we just, rather than actually sing, like put on an actual song, if we got the whole stadium singing that before the game as like a routine, I think that would get like fans, players, atmosphere up totally. We um was it one match they did can't smile without you. I think they did or it like maybe two, two, two couple of home games before yeah. kickoff and it really just like sucked, sucked the life out of the stadium. End of game song isn't it like which you mm. sing at the end but like it's not it's not really one to like to rile up the crowd and stuff. Guys, I'm going to shock you here. I don't really like it. Um, <laughs> and and those couple of goals at the couple of games where they played it before the match and it just doesn't doesn't do anything to hype up the crowd. It's kind of slow and mournful. And I think mm. you're right, Billy. I'm up for hearing it after a match, but it doesn't do anything to, to get you hyped up. I, the, the tracks that they play, they've, they've been seeming to play at the end of games, uh, Claxons, Golden Scans and Labrook Grove by AJ Tracy. I'd happily hear them before the match. Particularly- isn't, um, isn't Golden Scans, though, the song that we play when we've lost yeah, isn't that do. the one that comes on immediately that's and kind, I, of, kind of mournful yeah I think that is when we lose you're right but I do like it maybe it's, I like it too yeah I think we're maybe, off that age for sure maybe we'll pick a different uh Claxons track wasn't what was the mashup they did with Rihanna at the Brits it was one of the messiest Brits performances <laughs> you've ever seen where they pair two art they don't really do it anymore but at that point they'd always pair two unlikely art that would be a great song to like, play when fuck? we've lost <laughs> Rihanna looking so confused in front of Claxons in their fucking weird new rave gear. Anyway, sure they're sure they're lovely guys. I would happily wrap along to Ladbrook Grove pre pre match for sure. I think Ladbrook Grove's currently the one they play at halftime, isn't it? Mm. Um, you see, I, I picked an AJ song as well. I picked uh, False Nine, which I don't know if you remember was released with the first Nike kit back in 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, and it was so good. It was really, really good. And I sort of feel like that would work perfectly. He name checks quite a few Spurs players. Unfortunately, it does because it's now like five years old. I think Josh Onomar, Ericsson, he calls out Nathan Adua, who was a sort of... Victor Wanyama, though. And sh- Victor Wanyama's in that one, right? Maybe. I'm not sure. I just know there's one of... There's an AJ Tracy track from that era mm. where he talks about Victor Anyama that is very very that reference is very dear to my heart so I feel like that's fine that's okay but I'll pick um, that one I'll yeah, find maybe, out what it is and we'll okay yeah you we're basically just all picking AJ songs um, I think that works quite well it's quite nice. yeah, like, it it's does. nice to have someone who's like proper coys yeah and maybe yeah maybe AJ if you're listening you could like do a new verse for False Nine or something that shouts out the new the new lot and that could be our our pre-match anthem um, cool. All right. Next question. Is the new away shirt the worst away shirt in Spurs history? If not, what is? Um, Tom, you really hate it, don't you? Yeah, I think it is probably joint with the brown one. Was the brown one an away shirt or was that the third? It was I, th- I mean, I'll, I'll allow you to pick a third shirt, a sort of a, a change shirt. You, yeah. you can pick if not. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Equal. The, I don't like the scuba vibe on the new away shirt, and they haven't launched the third yet, have they? Although there's lots of pictures in circulation. No, not yet. Not yet. Um, 
And we were on a run of all right away shirts, but yeah, that's the scuba one's not great. So yeah, joint worst with the brown, the brown one from what would that have been Martin Yola era? Yeah, it was, um, I think that was for maybe our first European campaign in quite a long time, I seem to remember. It was when we qualified for the UA, uh, UEFA League Cup. UEFA League, UEFA Cup. I think I could picture Tom Huddleston in it. Yeah, Team Utania, that kind of, that gen. Um, I, I didn't mind the brown, but I'm clearly, as I'm going to talk about in a minute, I clearly like shirts that everyone else hates. Rosa, do you, you're not a fan either, right, of the new one? Yeah, I think it's pretty ugly. I mean, it's one of those things where I'll, prob- I'll, like, I'll look at it long enough and it'll just sort of think, oh, it'll sort of fade into nothingness after a while and I won't <laughs> I won't resent it so much. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I've ever like resented a shirt as much as that one from a couple of years ago that was the home one that just with the extra, with the blue, where it just looked like the printer had run out of ink. The, the one we wore in the Champions League final. Yeah, course, that yeah. then looked horrible because of the white shorts. Mm, that was like, weird. I didn't, yeah, I, I'm just going to say that. That's fine. I like, thought it looked fine. It looked more than fine um, if you wore it out and you were wearing like non navy blue shorts or white shorts. If you were just a civilian wearing it with like trousers, <laughs> I think it looked perfectly fine. For which a is a football shirt for elite. Athletes yeah, wear. I think yeah, it looked with the with the navy shorts. It looked like the players had really really long legs and they'd sort of tuck their shirts in really high up. And like with the school yeah, and um and with the white shorts in Europe, it just the whole it was a war crime principle of the kit. Let's, let's be honest, yeah, sort of didn't make any sense. So yeah, I I agree on balance. That kit was a bit of a disaster. I am um, I don't mind this one at all. I think the worst thing about this away shirt is that. Spurs, someone at Tottenham just decided to pick a shirt because from my understanding, they get presented a range of options by Nike each year and they pick from those options. And someone at Spurs has just decided to pick from or has picked a shirt that is basically just based on a template that all of the training shirts are are being based on this year. So you can't really see it with our training shirts because they're all one colour, but most of the Nike teams have exactly that sort of scuba collar um, and then everything else is a different colour. And that is what we've picked for our away shirt. So if you look at Barcelona's training stuff, for example, it's essentially our shirt, but with just some slightly different colours. So that that's really annoying. But I don't know. I just think it works as a kit. I quite like the sort of fluoro. I like the socks. Um, I think the players are fine in it. So, and I think I just hark back to the the Under Armour years particularly, which were the, was the only era of Spurs shirt where I just did not buy anything. I just refused to own anything Under Armour at all. I just feel like Under Armour is a brand for like game hunting Trump supporters and should not be worn by any normal people whatsoever. Apologies if anyone's listening that's wearing Under Armour stuff, but just can't be doing with it. Um, so compared to anything that they put out for us, I think, I think this is absolutely fine. I don't really get what all the fuss is about. Um, Billy? Um, yeah, I think it's offensively bad, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute offence, a, a war crime. Um, and whoever designed it should be locked away and never seen again. Um, but I do want to shout out the black training gear this year because it's fucking magnificent. And I know that could be well 
intrinsically linked to my love for Antonio Conte and it's always him the one that's wearing it but I absolutely love the training stuff the black training stuff like the black hoodie um the black tracksuit I love it all so I'm gonna I'm all in for the training gear this year I know people have been complaining though about the the sponsor on the training gear which is I think the first season the kind of retail versions have had the the training sponsor on which slightly spoiler pro tip though and Rosa definitely some for you the women's gear doesn't have the sponsor on so you can get all the cool sort of all black stuff but without the get here sponsor on um so any yeah female listeners or slim men who can get into the women's gear go for your life um you can have that one for free what pub are you most excited to get back into, everyone? Rosa, which pub are you excited to go to this season? Um, I think I've got I've got two answers to this. One, I would like to finally make it to the corner pin because I don't I don't think I've ever set foot in there. I know Tommy making that face, but I've never done it, so I feel like it'd be nice. Tom, why don't you like it? No, no, I don't mind it. The garden bits are right, and the you know you can definitely get neck oil in the corner <laughs> pin. There you go. Yes, I can hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the it's their own uh, their own their own pub. But yeah, it's all right. It's okay. We'll go for one in there on yeah, Saturday. That'd be nice. Rosa, for sure. But also, um because my brother went to see Gaga last week, um, and obviously he wasn't sure where he was sitting because he doesn't understand he doesn't care about football, doesn't understand about football stadiums. So I was like, Were you in the really big stand? So I think I think he was in the South Stand. So, and if true, I'm fuming that he got there first. So my, this season ambition is I have to get to the South Stand. I have to have a drink there. That's it. That's mad that you've not, have you not even been round to the no. bar bit? Oh, wow. Because I, yeah, I've just never really had time, I guess. Um, and, you know, I thought I had all the time in the world. And now my little brother who doesn't care about football has actually been there first. So okay, it's a disgrace. We need to put this right very yeah. quickly. Maybe on Saturday, in fact. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to pick the Blue Coats because I thought it really came into its own last season, the Blue Coats. Um, I feel like it was always the sort of right level of busy that had an atmosphere, but you could sort of squeeze in. Another pro tip, in fact, go upstairs. There's always room upstairs in the Blue Coats. Again, I don't know why I'm saying this out loud because people will now go upstairs and steal all the space. But And there's a bar up there as well that very rarely has anyone at it. Um I also like the Blue Coats. It's one of those good pubs to watch games that are on before or after the Spurs match. I always feel like it's quite a sort of nice, rowdy atmosphere. You always tends to be like West Ham games that I've always caught in the Blue Coats. And it's usually a game in which they sort of manage to mess up or something. So I've always had a good time watching football after being a White Hart Lane at the Blue Coats. Food is always really good as well. If you're ever in Tottenham for an early game, in fact, the brunches at the Blue Coats, this is like the most middle-class gentrified Spurs thing I've ever said, but the brunch at Blue Coats is so good. Promise I'm not being sponsored or provided free food by the Blue Coats, but exceptional. So for those 12.30 kickoffs, if you can get yourself to the Blue Coats, I'm going to stop talking now because it really does sound like this is some sort of paid for advert. But Blue Coats, should you wish to provide us with free yeah, food, we that would, would not be fine. say no. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Our principal sponsors, the Blue Coats on the high road. Can't miss it. Um, Billy, where do you want to go this season, mate? Uh, so I am a total Tottenham Hellboy. Um, I'm amazed that so many people get the train to Seven Sisters and walk from there when Tottenham Hell is literally just right there and it's much better walk and seems to be much faster as well. And as you walk down to the stadium, there's like this pub called The Volunteer, which I know I've spoken about on this podcast before, but it's like 
I love it. It's like, um, it's quite, it's kind of like quite quiet. Um, so it's a good one to go to before you go to another pub close to the ground. But you can get an actual drink in an actual glass and not have to wait like 20 minutes to get like a plastic um, plastic cup of beer or something. So yeah, the volunteer in Tottenham Hill. But I just want to like shout out Tottenham Hill. For me, it's a much better match day walk than going all the way from Seven Sisters, which is long. It is long. Um, I've never been to the volunteer. Billy, you have to take us, please. Um, and also, it's the kind of pub which has a dog. Um, and sadly, the, the, the pub dog died last year. It's actually really sad. Oh. I'm, I'm hoping this season they've got like a replacement pub dog because every pub needs a dog. They'll have just recast the dog with a sort of new dog that looks a bit similar to the old dog, hopefully. Um, oh, very sad. Uh, all right, we've all got sort of assignments for this year. Tom, did you did you give me your pub? No, I didn't. I just want to mention I did enjoy some beers in the blue coats um, last season. Uh, went quite a few times with you guys, and it was uh, good. But for some reason, in the veggie burger, don't put, ruin our sponsorship potential. Stop right there. <laughs> they put bean sprouts in the like you know, like you on the top. You should get like whatever gherkin and some cheese. The veggie burger has bean sprouts on the top. Otherwise, it's a good veggie burger. But if you're listening. Uh, 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 chef, please, uh, yeah, tweak that. Anyway, I like the Beehive because uh, it's got a great garden, also a good place to watch um, games before our games or after. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a good, good vibe, massive garden, can be a nightmare to get a beer. Oh, and last season I also rediscovered for the first time in so long, the Victoria, which is a tiny little Irish pub, mm. does does a brilliant Guinness. Um, everyone's Irish who works in there, and they're all the landlord's about a hundred years old, but a lovely, lovely guy. So I'll, I'll try and get a Guinness or two in there as well. Good picks, everyone. I also want to shout out quickly the High Cross because they also do really good food, and um, the two guys that run it are really, really nice. And it's an excellent one just to sort of stop off and have a quick pint at. Before you go back to Seven Sisters, I always think if the weather's okay. Um, right, excellent picks. Final question: Will Spurs win something this year? Rosa, are we going to win something? I don't want to be a downer, but I don't think we will. Oh. I think I'm sorry. I mean, oh. It doesn't matter to me though. I feel like we'll probably we'll challenge, and it'll be so thrilling. And I'd rather do that and aim really big and still not get it than um, go for the like League Cup. I'm sorry, I just don't really... Maybe that's really... I don't know. Entitled of me or whatever, but I just... I love I love the whole just um, like going for something really, really big, even if you don't really get it. So I don't okay. think we will. But I think it will still be thrilling. I think we'll have a great year. Thrilling but crushing disappointment from Rosa. Tom, are we are we going to win something? Look, Ash isn't here, is he? Uh, so I'm going to channel Ash's confidence. Um, oh, so just that just reminds me. But a year ago, Ash was here, going, "I just hate all of our players." <laughs> I, I still wish we'd got that on a, on a t-shirt. There's still time. <laughs> still time. Yeah. But I also feel like at other times, Ash is the most confident person on the podcast and uh, would be saying it with his chest that, yes, we're going to win something. What are we going to uh, win, Tom? What, what competition are we going to win? I think the league is, you know, after watching the... I didn't Actually, I didn't watch the Charity Shield. I just looked at the team sheets. Um, <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> the Community Shield and the two 11s and who was on the bench. And I think how on earth is anyone going to get near City and Liverpool this season, really? So let's say the FA Cup. Why not? 
All right, I'm going to say we're going to win the Champions League. I just think we are. I think that actually thinking about it, largely because of City and Liverpool and the fact that if we wanted to win, say, the FA Cup, you'd probably have to play one of those and one of Chelsea or Arsenal just to get through to the sodding final. I think it actually, and this is going to, this is going to sound insane, but I think it might be easier to win the Champions League than any domestic competition this year for Tottenham. I think if we get a decent draw and then we get a bit of luck in the knockouts, have one of those sort of Liverpool City draws where they get like Porto in the quarters and then the sort of plucky team that somehow made it like some sort of middling German team that have somehow gotten the way to the semis or something and then like pull a proper Conte performance against City in the final. I think actually the Champions League, we're going to win the Champions League. Billy, what are we going to win this season? I think we're going to win um, the FA Cup. I think we're going to finish top four again, probably hopefully third, and have a really good season. And then the year after that, we're going to win the league. Nice. I think we've all channeled Ash brilliantly there. Um, let's keep the predictions going. I want to talk about Southampton very briefly. I just want your predictions for our first game of the season. Tom, prediction for Southampton? 2-0, uh, obviously Richarlison can't play, so and I, I don't think he'll automatically start. So 2-0, Kulu to finally get that home goal, and I will go fucking mental when he does. Yes, 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 yes. We all need that so much. That is what we have needed for ages. Kulusevsky's first goal at the stadium. Rosa, prediction? 3-1. I think we'll concede. Um, I think Kulu will get a goal as well. I think he might even get a brace. Oh, are we conceding first? Yes. Okay. Oh, so a bit of adversity to overcome early doors. That's how we do. That's how we do. Very Tottenham. Billy, prediction? I'm going to go 4-0 and I think Son's going to score a hat-trick. I think he's just going to carry on being the same ridiculous player that he was last season. Um, He's going to score a hat-trick and Kane's going to get a rare August goal as well. I think we're going to win 4-2. I think it's going to be a bonkers game where we go behind twice before roaring back. Um, Ivan Perisic is definitely, definitely scoring. Kulosevsky scoring. And I think Kane's going to get a couple as well. Um, and it would just be a real, a real sort of heart attack, but ultimately very fun football match. Um, that's Southampton taken care of. Four victories predicted. Um, Billy, you did make the ominous point earlier to us in our text group that uh, is it our first four fixtures of the season? Um, if you look at the corresponding fixtures last season, we lost all of them. Yeah, if you um, swap Forest for Burnley, who obviously just been relegated and promoted, um, we lost all four of these, which I think is actually a good thing because we mm. can bring, gain ground on next season really quickly. But I don't think we'll lose, well, I'm, we're not going to lose all four of them again, famous last words, but it's just that Chelsea one, man. I just really hope we can actually, we lost them four times last season four different occasions um, I just hope we can get some kind of result there. even if it's like a boring no no draw I'll take it but yeah. I think it's a good chance to like early doors get some ground on last season because if we get some ground on last season and then build on it we're going to you know we finished top four last season so then the only way is up so I think it's not actually as negative as it sounds hopefully it's just a good chance for us to put some points where we didn't get them last season then who knows what could happen I am really enjoying the positivity. Um, let's stay positive. Rosa, let's talk a little bit about Spurs women, please, because obviously none of our players featured in the squad this summer at the Euros. Um, however, I don't think that should stop us feeling really, really positive about the season, 
that Spurs women are preparing for as we speak. It looks like we've made some really interesting sort of positive, creative signings with more to come. Um, and yeah, it feels like a really, really, really thrilling time for us as a club to be investing more and more in women's football, right? Yeah, the timing is absolutely perfect, really. And obviously it was a bummer to not have any Spurs players, particularly obviously Ash Neville involved in the Euros triumph. doesn't matter. You know, those those blonde ponytails did it and we all love them for it in the end. <laughs> like, honestly, what an unbelievable game. What a, what a great tournament, but what an unbe- unbelievable game. Like beforehand, you know, talking to you about it and I was like, I'm freaking out. I don't want to play Germany. Why can't we play France? That's nicer. But you were right. It was much, much, much better, much more satisfying to do it against the old enemy, especially because they were so filthy. And just to do it in that way was so, so, so glorious. Well, we're not supposed to win games like that, right? We are not programmed to watch an England team go in front, sort of scent glory, get pegged back. And also when Germany did equalise, I thought we looked out on our asses at that point as well. Yeah. We looked so the tired. The half was horrible to watch um yeah to be honest when that equalizer went in i was like there's only one way this Mm. there's two ways this game ends they they score the winner or it goes to penalties and they win and i just couldn't have envisaged what really did happen which was just like you know like i know tottenham have i've watched tottenham win things obviously not for quite a long time and we've had some amazing nights i was like oh my god is this what it feels like to really win stuff like win big stuff I really I feel like I've sort of been on the verge of tears basically every day since because it's been like I don't know like for me like for all of us I guess but I feel very very emotional about it I don't really know if my daughters are gonna ever really get into football or whether it'll just be a sort of thing that they go oh you know mum and dad like that and we don't really care but if they do I just feel like th- this is just a, a perfect moment because it just shows that football will be there for them if they want it. And that's such a, like a magical feeling. And that's something that I definitely didn't feel as a kid. Mm. So that means a lot to me. And I think we're very lucky right now as well, because this has happened and Spurs have been in the top flight for a couple of seasons now. So we're really like properly established in it now. And the fact that, you know, we had that good, that run last season where there were, where we were even talking possible Champions yeah. League at one point. So it feels like it's just, it's such a good, good time to be a fan of the women's game. And it's a great time to have a Tottenham women's team. And we do, you're right. We seem to have made a lot of good signings. So I was going through them today because obviously we've had some outgoings um, and some sort of concerning ones as well. Like the big worry was Maeve Clemeron leaving. Mm. And Rachel Williams as well, who I loved. Who has she... gone to United. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't, yeah. I didn't realise that until today. Like I knew she'd left and I just thought, I don't know where I thought she'd gone, but she went to United, which feels weird and disappointing. Um, but we have signed two more forwards. So um, one who's come from Villa, like let me just uh, check it out. Yeah, Ramona Petzelberger. So um there's her and then Karczewska, who is a Polish striker. So she's she's a young girl. I think she's done quite well. So it feels like they're addressing those, mm. the biggest concern of last season, which was... And, um, I think there's, no goals. There's, uh, there's Beth England. Not um, Is it Beth England who's from Brighton? I think we signed as well. No, Ellie Brazil. Is it Ellie, Ellie Brazil? Brazil. Yeah. I've got my... I've literally got my countries mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Beth England is the one that we're that thing that we're linked to. Yeah, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, she, yeah, she was one of the few players that didn't get on at all yeah. during the tournament, was she? But um, so that feels about. She's right. a she's well, a Chelsea. But I saw that we were even talking about offering Chelsea a transfer fee, which like basically yeah. never ever happens. Um, and I was thinking, like, come on, Daniel, you've got this hundred and fifty million. Like, make a splash and I know buy us a buy us a lioness. Seriously, just do it. It's a it's a bit weird. Um, but uh, you know, then we've got um, Amy Turner, which is quite mm. big news, I think. Um, and is it her partner? I think it's her fiance, Harrod James. Yeah, mm. so they were both at Orlando Pride together, and they're um, rocking up together here, which is pretty cool. Drew Spence so, as well. Drew Spence will be big. So she came from yep. Chelsea. So she's not played a lot over the last couple of years, but she's really experienced and mm. um will be uh, someone that we need in midfield because the midfield was sorted and has now sort of fallen apart a bit so i think that they seem to have made like she sounds like she's going to be a really really good signing in that position so it feels like yeah they've made a lot of really good signings and the first game of the season is at the tottenham hotspur stadium and against manchester united which is going to be big and will be really thrilling because you get to see, you know, my personal favourite player of the tournament, Alessia Russo. And mm. my second favourite player of the tournament was Mary Earp. So I just feel like that's going to be, I'm really glad I can't go actually because I'm doing something else that day. But I think it's going to be so buzzy. Like, honestly, I feel, I feel properly buzzing about Spurs women this year. Like, mm. as much as I do about the men, actually, I feel like now's the time. I feel... Even, you know, even if they don't necessarily improve on what's happened last season, it it's all good stuff that's happening. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating, I think, to see how the success of the national team translates to people actually attending WSL games. I think that's the, that's the next level that has to be unlocked, right? It's people regularly going to watch women's WSL teams and not just, I suppose, when, you know, the men's team sort of let them play in the proper stadiums and it becomes a bit of a, you know, nice day out. But if they can actually sort of improve substantially the attendances at, you know, the sort of smaller grounds that they that they play at regularly. And for us, that'll be um, at Leighton Orient this season, which I know has been reasonably controversial because I feel like for a lot of people that lived out of London, Certainly on Twitter, people have been saying to me that um, the Hive was a lot easier to get to and it's easier to park and things like that. Whereas, I mean, not massively for everyone, but that seems certainly a lot of people saying that to me, whereas it's a little bit trickier to get to that part of East London and, you know, it's a bit more fiddly. But I think it's a better stadium. It's a better football stadium. I think the Hive is a not a terrific place to watch football at all. So I think... Playing, playing at Orient will hopefully help the team. Um, season tickets are so cheap that, you know, you would hope that there'll be a wave of people that will want to go now. There'll be younger kids that will be, you know, asking their mum and dads to to take them to the women's games where perhaps that wasn't happening before. So, yeah, um, it's all good things. And I think, you know, Rosa, you made the, <clears throat> you made the really good point about the younger generation, but I was really just struck by you know, friends of mine like you who have, you know, been massively into football just as much as any of my male friends over the years and have had to, you know, endure 
sort of crappy comments from people assuming that you don't know as much or, you know, being treated as the sort of token girl that's into football and all of this sort of bullshit that a lot of friends of mine who happen to be girls and happen to be into football have had to sort of put up with over the years to, for that sort of vindication that I hope you all felt <laughs> on Sunday, I think, you know, is a, is a huge thing. And, you know, there's all sorts of wonderful stuff that's come from England doing so well, but I just love the fact that it's just another sort of kind of one in the eye for the idiots that don't think girls can not just play football, but actually be into football as well. Um, so yeah, a very exciting season ahead for everyone, I think. Yeah. And I think for me, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of that sort of, Oh, why are you into football? you're a girl sort of stuff what I have always found so frustrating is you get just the kind when you're watching the women's game or talking about the women's game you just get so many of the same old tedious comments and then, like we've discussed this before like the classic mm-hmm. thing that comes up about like oh the goalkeeping's really bad why don't they make the goal smaller and just all and things about like the quality of the game that after a while, you just think, I can't, I can't have this conversation anymore. If you don't understand anything about the history of the women's game um, globally, but specifically in this country and, and how it was like basically banned for years. And even if we're talking about something like the move to Leighton Orient, um, the pitch will be better. And it's like, you can't, you can't play proper, good, fluid attacking football on a bad pitch. Mm. So the, the quality it's just always going to be worse if you don't have a proper pitch to play on. And I just, I feel so pleased and yes, vindicated because they got a big stage. That final was at Wembley, huge, huge numbers and they played amazing football. And I just feel like I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Do you know what I mean? And Mm. it's like, if you don't, if you don't want to watch it, that's fine. I don't care. But very, like, I want to watch it. Lots of other people want to watch it. And I also, to be honest, I don't really understand why you wouldn't want to watch it because I think the thing about football that sort of brings us all together, like, over the world is that if you like football, you just tend to just like watching it, whatever it is. Don't you feel like wherever you are, if there's a game Mm. on, you just end up watching it because you love the game and it doesn't really matter who's playing. You will just automatically get into it. And after about five minutes, you'll have picked a side. Fingers crossed it's all looking quite good. Um, and yeah, the signings continue and, you know, we've got a brilliant coach and all the pieces seem to be sort of getting there slowly but surely. Um, excellent. I enjoyed that. Thanks for chatting women's football, Rosa. So brilliantly as always. Um, we've just got time for Billy to take us into your rolling in the tweets for this week. Yeah, man. So we kind of asked, like, obviously we're all buzzing as it came from earlier, but we asked people like, what? They're looking forward to about Saturday, um, specifically not the game itself, like the other things that surround it. And reading these has got me proper like up for Saturday. It's literally all I can think about at the moment. It's getting to that Saturday, three o'clock. And on that note, Sean, um, Sean Yusuf McKee has said, a Saturday 3 p.m. home fixture. It's been years. It's actually been since the Son Wonder Goal against Burnley was the last time that we had a Saturday three o'clock. Insane. Which is insane. And he says, nothing beats it, especially on the season opener. And I totally agree. And I just can't wait to be back there on a Saturday at three o'clock. And other actual games are playing, and we're not like the only team in the country that's playing. So there's like no none of that stuff for like checking the scores and stuff like that. So I totally agree there, Sean. 
Tim says, I can't make the first game of the season, but I'm excited for that frustration of trying to airplay a dodgy stream to my TV, then getting phone notifications about all the important moments just before I've seen them happen on my screen because it has a two minute lag. We've all been there, brother. We have all been there. I think one day we're going to we're going to need to do a special about the experience of streaming a football match and that specific experience of when you know a goal is about to happen and you feel like you're sort of caught in some like space time continuum and you you're like waiting for the thing to happen. It's a bit, or it's a bit like watching, you know, when you watch like casualty and you know that someone's going to get injured and you have to sort of work backwards and figure out how they're going to get injured. It's a bit like that watching a Spurs thing. And it's sort of, it's obviously doubly worse. Well, it's, it's not doubly worse. It's just terrible when you know Spurs have conceded. And mm. that's the, that's the sort of casualty comparison where you're like, who's going to make the fatal error here to, to ensure that we me can and my see bro- Me and my brother have to do this like phone amnesty when we're watching a game together on a stream because we both know that we can't do it without checking our phones. So we like donate our phones to my dad and like just say, don't tell us anything. We'll just watch it live. Um, but yeah, 100%. I, I kind of experienced all that stuff from like watching the friendlies as well this, this year. Like, because it's the first time I've watched a stream in a while and like, it's awful, isn't it? It's absolutely awful. My like my Now TV is always so, and in fact, BT, both of them are always so far behind that I have actually been in the stadium and my phone has vibrated in my pocket and I've thought, oh, shit, there's going to be a goal. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking here. Like, same, Tom, exact same. <laughs> it's mental, but like my phone's going off and I'm like, something bad's going to happen. Oh, no, I'm watching it live. It's fucking mental. The Quilkin says, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the friends I've missed over summer. Old faces, maybe some new faces and necking off with every oh, single one of them. Yeah. I think if we win the league, we're all going to be doing that all the time. Everyone's going to be necking with everyone. So bring that on. Um, friend of the show, <laughs> Tottenham Simpson says, I'll be with my nine-year-old boy. We are not going to the match, but we'll be able to explain the anticipation, the excitement and the hope to him. Only That's for first to ruin it by imploding. <laughs> Don't worry, they're not going to do that this time. Trust me. Uh, David says, pretty excited that Gary Doherty is in town for a youth football camp and is going to watch the match with our sports group. Man, you have to let us know how that goes because watching a game with Gary Doherty sounds like amazing. Definitely, That sounds wicked. Yeah, we want a full report on that, please. With Preferably with pictures as well. That'd be great. Uh, Holly says, going back to the lane and having a drink before the game with friends and shouting Antonio. Yeah, you know, you know my feelings for that man. Can't wait to do the same. Uh, Danny says, heading down to Philadelphia Spurs from Ottawa Spurs. It's an eight-hour drive, border crossing, but the cheesesteaks are worth it, man. They sound like some insane level cheesesteaks. If you're driving eight hours for them cheesesteaks, man, you need to tell us. And also, like, in the middle of the night, I presume, as well, because we're talking the time difference here that means an eight-hour drive... I need to do the maths here, but to get there for kickoff would mean, yeah, extraordinary levels of dedication. I mean, we definitely need like a full review of those cheesesteaks, Danny. Like, they, yeah, if you're driving that far for them, then they must be pretty fucking. Do us if Danny, if you if you are listening to this, and we'll reach out on Twitter as well. But if you could do us a little sort of voice <laughs> note, just detailing sort of how treacherous or otherwise your journey down to Philadelphia was, and then your experience of the day. We would, we would love to hear that. That sounds excellent. And also, obviously, as Billy says, your uh, cheesesteak review as well. And a recommendation because Philadelphia is full of good cheesesteaks. So I want to know the best one. Definitely, definitely. Cody says, just excited to see Universal Happiness at the return of football. Universal Happiness. How long have you been a Spurs fan? Have you ever seen Universal Happiness in your life? Because I definitely <laughs> have not. Come on, Cody. Um, even if we're winning, there's always some people complaining that sort of And that's just what we do. I like the photos people post from the stadium. Um, for someone separated from the club by an ocean, it brings me a little closer. Just a moment. That is really nice. 
Um, three at the back says the early train to London in the closest spoons for an hour or two and eventually squeeze into the brick lace and soak up some more drinks and atmosphere and on to kick off. Um, and Patrick says, I'm very excited to go to White Hart Lane for the very first time. Uh, last time I watched Spurs in the Premier League, we were playing in Wembley. Uh, Jay Hassam says, and I've, I've not actually been to this place, but I've heard good things. Wing Lab on the high roads. Looking forward to that. And Craig says, looking forward to seeing friends, what's changed on the high road and how much the match day parking costs. The thing about the high road is however much it changes, it never really changes. Let's be honest. Tottenham High Road is always Tottenham High Roads. And Lost Lily White says, cheering on the team from South East Essex. Just happy to have the season back. And that's exactly what we're all feeling in Lost Lily White. So up the Spurs. Very nicely done. And thank you, our wonderful listeners. That was a really sort of heartwarming selection of replies that, uh, yeah, has got me really, really excited about the season. Um, Culturally, what's exciting you for? You four, I am one of the four. You three and me equals four. I have been excited by uh, Gemini Wright, an album by Steve Lacey, who I would thoroughly recommend everyone listen to. Um, Sort of R&B, soul, sort of free spirit. It's really, really, really good. Sort of went under the radar a bit, came out a few weeks ago, and I thought Steve Lacey was sort of the coming man of uh of that sort of soul r&b kind of oeuvre but seems to have escaped a lot of notice but it's really 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 good so listen to that tom what have you been doing culturally this week you're not the first person to recommend that steve lacey album to me so that's reminded me to go and listen and i've mostly been consuming old things like there's this singer nina simone she's great um but so and the sound of the summer Sound of the summer. Honestly, it's the sound of this sweaty summer in London, really. Like, she, her voice and the kind of jazz style uh, really suits this humid fucking weather we're having. That's horrible. Anyway, we're just going to recommend there's a producer called Maul Grab, who I read is Australian but based here in London. And his album is coming out this Friday, the 5th, if you're listening later, 5th of August. Um, and it features Brendan Yates, who's the guy from Turnstile, who we've talked about the other day, uh, who are kind of quite a heavy, hardcore band. And DWE and Novelist are also on a track on that album. It's just like really quite cool electronic stuff. There's like five tracks out already. The album's out soon. I'm excited to hear what the whole thing sounds like. Good. Sounds brilliant. Thanks, mate. Uh, Rosa, your pick, please. Um, since it is the long, long school summer holidays, I took the kids to Tate Modern last week to go to the um, Yayoi Kasuma um, sort of installation in the Turbine Hall. How was it? Was it good? Oh my God, it's amazing. So for people who don't know, it was like, it's this space, it's like four, dif- four different rooms, I think. It's like... Um, like a living room a dining room bedroom playroom and it originally started out white and you go in and you get a sticker sheet um as you go in and it's just for kids basically so you can just put stickers wherever you want and it's just I I, honestly it's gonna it's supposed to be running for like however long and I went there on Monday it was like day three and it was already there were just stickers everywhere um but it is just my kids absolutely loved it so much so the younger one had an absolute meltdown when we had to leave um so that so it was like super fun and also really embarrassing in that way that (laughs) happens when you've got a kid who just will not stop screaming um but I really recommend it the queues are actually fine um even though it's school holidays and it's just you know and then you're in Tate Modern as well which is extremely fun 
Um, I've also just been listening to the new Maluma album, which is called, what's it called? Like the love and sex tape or something hilarious. So, you know, I don't want to get into all kind of, oh, it's, you know, Latin is the, you know, so it's summer, so I have to listen to something Latin, but it kind of is. So that's really fun. I also just finished a novel by Charlotte Mendelssohn called The Exhibitionist, which is um, about a family um, where the parents are both artists and he is not successful anymore and she is successful and he is an absolute monster of a man. Reading it was honestly like watching a horror movie. It was like in in a sort of good way, but also it was like unbelievably tense. Just at every turn, I was like, something absolutely terrible is going to happen, which I imagine is quite an accurate portrayal of what it feels like to live with someone that unpleasant. So I don't know. So if you kind of want to have a really stressful reading experience, go for it. Like it's it's brilliant, but it was also like really, really kind of, yeah, frightening, I guess. So genuinely like a horror movie, so... Um, yeah, that's that from me. Um, Rosie, you took us on a journey there. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, like joy, grief, terror. Just, we're, like, supposed to, we're supposed to cover that in the Spurs bit of this <laughs> podcast. Um, Billy, round us off, please. Yeah, I've watched uh, two things this week. One I've binned off, one I really like. One of the, the one I've binned off is Paper Girls, um, which has been described by reviewers as better than Stranger Things. And it's like for early indications that it's definitely not. If anyone actually watched that and it's worth watching, please let me know because I've like binned it off after an episode and a half. But it's like 80s superhero kids. Um, so it's getting a lot of Stranger Things comparisons. And quite a few of you say it's better, but no, not for me. But the one I've been really liking is Midnight Mass on Netflix, which I know like on the Mark Mode and Simon Mayer podcast, they're doing like a watching at the moment, making everyone watch it. And it's, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Um, it's kind of by Mike Flanagan, um, but it's not really very horror if you're into horror. Um, it's not really out and out horror, but it's quite a bit creepy. Um, takes like three episodes before you actually find out what's going on. But when you do find out what's going on, it's really good. Um, yeah, so I've been loving Midnight Mass. I've got like two episodes to go, which I'm going to watch tonight. So yeah, um, but binned off Paper Girls. But if anyone watches that and it's worth watching, let me know. Excellent. Nice stuff, everyone. Thank you very much. Um, loved your company as always. Thanks for going through those 10 questions. Um, loved hearing our listeners give us what they're excited about for the season we can't wait we're thrilled to be back as we said last week that was episode two of season two of hometown glory thank you very much billy see us off guys saturday three o'clock is actually happening we're playing on a saturday at three o'clock up the spurs deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.